I'm going to continue in the series, Our Heart and the Stuff, and this is part five. And I'm going to do a short recap of what we covered last week. Last week we're in the book of Acts, and um, we were talking about Paul and Barnabas. And they um, were preaching the gospel in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And they were persecuted. Even though they were winning converts, they were being persecuted by Jews. And amazingly, the persecution did not deter them from returning to these cities to strengthen the disciples and encourage them to continue in the faith. Even though they were being persecuted, Paul was stoned in Lystra and left for dead, dragged out of the city and revived. And they left and came back to these places where they were being persecuted to make sure that the disciples were strengthened and encouraged. I'm amazed at the heart of these servants of the Lord. They did not consider their lives but trusted the Lord. In the midst of everything they were going through, they trusted God. They did not allow the fear of man or harm to themselves to deter them from the call on their lives. So that was showing their heart. And the stuff, the stuff is referring to anything that will deter us from being loyal to the Lord, which is loyal to the call, and serving Him willingly. Their heart, the heart, our heart is to get in a place where we we will not allow anything to deter us from serving God. We were in 2 Corinthians and in also 2 Timothy and we were talking about Paul was writing about the things he suffered, about his ministry, how he was stoned, he was imprisoned many times, how he was, he was beaten, he was, in, he was in peril for his life, even not only by strangers but even by those in the church. He talked about ship, being shipwrecked, all the different things that he had to go through. Going hungry and tired and, you know, many things he, he went through. And when he was writing this letter to Timothy, he was in prison when he was writing this letter. And he knew that his end was near. He knew that his time to depart this life was close. And he confidently spoke about his faithfulness to the call. His faithfulness to Christ. How he held nothing back and did the will of Christ no matter the cost. And that is that is the, tells you the heart of these people doing the will of Christ, no matter what it cost them. He did not allow the stuff to deter him. He knew that when he saw the Lord face to face, that he held nothing back. He ran his race with all his strength and singleness of purpose. Jesus was the same way. Jesus only focused on what the Father required of him because he said. I always do those things that please Him. And He said, I'm here to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Jesus was always single in focus and single in purpose to do what the Father sent Him to to do. And that's our heart. Our heart must be also, Lord, why are we here? We are here for purpose. But what are we here to do? We're not all here to do the same thing. But whatever it is, we need to know what it is and be single-minded about it and be about our Father's business. And let's be honest, this Christian walk is not easy. I don't care what anybody says, it is not an easy walk. But the good news is that it is not dependent on our strength. 
but about how much we trust our God and the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ. And with that trust comes our obedience. The Christian walk is contingent, contingent on your trust in God, on the finished work of Christ and your willingness to obey in the, no matter what you're going through. What was able to distract or deter these people? Those people who came before us and many who are going through trials in this world. What was able to distract them or deter them from being loyal to the Lord? Nothing. Yes, they made mistakes and we will make mistakes. But the important thing is that we always get back on track and be about what the Father requires of us. That's just recap. Today we're going to pick up in, and I believe this is, this is part 5 and this is probably going to be the last part of this uh, series on our heart and the stuff. And we want to pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. This is an incredible set of scriptures here. And it's going to take us to a place where we are not comfortable. It will take us to a place where we are not, it's not normal. It's totally against the things of the way the world functions. But it is an example of the culture of the kingdom of God. And how our heart's supposed to be. Let me know when you're at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start at chapter, uh, verse 1 through 8. Let's start reading from verse 1. This is again Paul writing. Dare any of you have a matter against another? Go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are at least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to the law against brother and that before unbelievers. How then, how therefore, is it already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another? Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourself be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat and you do these things to your brethren. But when you read this, this is this is, you see the heart of God. And if you understand who Christ is and where Christ came from and why he came, you see the heart of God in these scriptures here. He said, Paul, is, let's go back to verse 1. Any of you have a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. He's talking to the church here. He said, it's understood. We're going to have issues with each other. That is understood. But he said this. You go to the unrighteous. You go to the, to the courts. You go to the law. People who are not in the church. You go to these people to settle your disputes. He said you people who going to outsiders to settle your disputes. You are going to judge angels. You are going to judge the world. These same unbelievers. 
You are going to judge them. And you can't settle the smallest disputes among yourself. He said, whatever it is that's going on between you, it's small compared to what you have to do. You hear that? We are going to judge angels. We are going to judge the world. We will be sitting on the judgment seat with Christ. Judging angels. Judging the world. No, just wrap your head around that for a second. And Paul is saying, right now, you guys are supposed to settle issues be- between yourselves. You can't even do that. And then he's saying here, if you can't judge concerning the things pertaining to, to this life, how are you going to do, how are you going to function? And he say here, brother goes against brother and before unbelievers. And verse 7, now therefore it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Once you show up in a court of law against each other, you can't settle disputes. You, it's an utter failure you're, you're, because you'll be on display. Imagine two Christians who love Jesus in court against each other. Because they cannot settle their disputes. You are utter failure. What is that testimony like of Christ? You can't settle your own disputes. He says it's an utter failure. Because the Christian walk is on display. So what is amazing when you see in the media or you hear people, Christians putting down other Christians in the public arena. It's an it's a utter failure of the walk. They walk in Christ. And it shows how much we walk in our flesh and not in love and not in the spirit. That is not the heart of God. It's, we, are, we are failures. We are, we, are, we are a bad testimony of the love of God and who we are supposed to be in Christ. And, we'll, and listen to this in verse 7. Paul is saying, why do you rather not accept wrong? You might be right. Somebody wronged you, but he said, why don't you let it go? Why don't you just let that go and accept the wrong? So that you can have peace with your brother. So you don't have to go to court to settle issues. That is not easy to do. That is not easy to do. Somebody owe you $5,000. It ain't easy to let that go. Let's be realistic. Let's be real. But no, here, and he also say, why don't you... Allow yourselves to be cheated. Take wrong. You see, so the, the Bible is saying here, what it's saying here is not what we're, what we're used to. Somebody owes me five grand or ten grand, I'm taking you to court. Because I want my money back. But the Bible says, why don't you allow yourself to be cheated? So you see the mind, what, the mind of God here. But I'm going to expand on it a little more and you're going to see where that comes from and why it is important that we have that mind. It is not, this is not easy. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and I want to show you some, something. And this will bring it into perspective why Paul was saying this. Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. We read these scriptures but we don't, I don't think we really think, meditate on, on the depth of what is being asked of us here. And why? Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. And, and we're going to go to 48. But let's see how it unfolds. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you. Not to resist an evil person. 
not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you, take you to court and take away your tunic. Let him have your cloak also. Somebody wants to take you to court. Not only give them whatever it is, give them extra. That is not, <laughs> that is not what we used to. Anyone compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Go the extra mile. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. That is the tough one. I know you are a scheming so-and-so person. You want to borrow my, and I probably won't see it ever again. He said here, yeah, give to him who asks. That's anybody who asks. If, it, if it's in your power to give, give it. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, we, let's be honest. We have conditions. We're not just going to give whatever we have to anybody. Can we be honest? This is asking us to do a lot. But I'm going to show you something here. Let's just let this simmer for a little bit. And I'm going to take you, let's take you to, um, let's keep reading. Now watch here. Verse 43. Now Jesus is speaking now. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God allows his blessings to fall on the even those who hate him. And we also have to be like our Father. That's why he says... Somebody slap you, turn the other cheek. Somebody wants to sue you, you give them your tunic and you give them extra. He said, but if you love, verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others. Do you not do not even the tax collectors do this do also do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Perfect that word perfect is the word teleos. That word teleos means to be complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental and moral character. He said be perfect, be mature like Christ. The mind of Christ. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him, His Son, might be saved. Now look at this. Everything we're reading here about what is expected of us. The heart we are supposed to have. We are showing, supposed to show, show mercy and compassion. Mercy is giving people what they don't deserve. 
That's showing mercy. You see, if your enemy, right, you say, love your enemies. Do good to those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Sons mean mature sons, not children. Children cannot, cannot function at the level of their parent. To be sons of your Father in heaven, you have to have the mind of your Father. So that you can, be, you can act the way He acts. So I said, God loved the world and gave His only begotten Son. Think about this. Man was lost. Man sinned against God. Man couldn't do anything about his condition. Because he was under bondage to sin and slaves to Satan. Slaves to enemies. Slaves to his flesh. And any thoughts and intents of the heart of man were against the things of God. So man was an enemy to God. So God realized that man could do nothing but his condition. So what did he do? He sent his son. He came himself in the form of his own creation. So for God to come in the form of his own creation, he lowered himself. He humbled himself to come from deity to a man. So he had to humble himself. And that same man Christ who came, didn't come as a king, he came as a servant, in the form of a servant. Even though in the future he will be king. He came in the form of a servant. Not to do his will but to do the will of the father. And his will was in service to man. Fallen man. How was that service in, in, uh, to fallen man? He had to die so that fallen man has an opportunity to become sons. And be reconciled to God the father. Because without that sacrifice there was no way man could be reconciled to God. No way, no how. And with that, not only did he reconcile man to God, he gave us the ability to become sons of God and joint heirs with himself, Christ. And and an heir has an inheritance. What did we have to do to become sons of God and to get an inheritance? To become kings and priests? Nothing except believe. We can't be good enough. We can't be bad enough, we can't be good looking enough, we can't be educated enough to become sons of God. All we have to do is believe. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, all you have to do is believe. It's an even playing field and it's available to anyone who wants it. What did God do? He showed mercy and he showed us extended and showed us compassion. Because man deserved death. But through Christ, we have the ability, if we believe, To be reconciled or brought into a right relationship with God the Father. We were enemies with God. But God chose to send His Son so that we have an opportunity to be reconciled to God. That's why He said, that's why the Word of God said, For God so loved the world. He said, Jesus said, love your enemies. That's what God did. He loved His enemies by showing compassion. So that they can no longer be enemies but sons. Do good to them who curse you and spitefully use you. That's what God showed, did to us. We didn't deserve it. He showed us compassion. He did good to us because we, a lot of us could be dead. But by His mercy and grace, we're still alive. We're still functioning. And we have the opportunity to still, still be reconciled to God. Especially those who are not walking with Christ. Let me show you the, 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 the heart of God. 
Let's go to Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three verse nine. Let me just read that one verse. And the reason why you know I'm reading this to show you the mercy and compassion of God. A lot of people say, you know, there's some bad people out there, and they, these people just not like nothing happens to them. They just keep living and living and living. Second Peter chapter nine. He said, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." What people don't realize how what the word long suffering means long suffering. That means you put up with people. And you put up with people, and you put up with people, and you keep putting up with people. The Lord is long-suffering. And what? why? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord gives people time and time and time to turn to Him and repent. Because once you're cut off, there is no... What? Say with the door of no return. There is no return. You can't come back and do it over. It is a done. You're done. A lot of people don't believe. But once you die, it's you go in one place or the other. There is no in between. So if you see, this is the this is the heart of God. How merciful God is. And God is merciful as to the wicked. Because He's given them an opportunity to repent and change their mind. And that's why the word of God said this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world. And then the end will come. Everyone has to hear the word and make a decision if they choose to walk with with God or not. Because you cannot say I didn't know. So the people in government who who you mad at, pray for them. Because God... The Lord cuts them off. Just release Satan and them. It's, they're done. They don't have a recourse. God doesn't hold people's sin against them. Because people are doing what they're supposed to do. Sin. We have fallen. We walk in our flesh. And what else are we going to do? <laughs> we're going to do what, we're going to do what comes natural. We sin. We sin. We lie. And many, many of us who say we walk with Christ, we tell our white, our little lies. We do. Let's be honest. We all do it. But, if, but the Heavenly Father, He doesn't hold the sin against them, against us, because He understands that we are in the flesh. And sin is powerful. People don't understand. Sin is very powerful. People are in bondage to sin. And He says, people don't understand how powerful sin is. They think they could dabble. No, when you dabble, when this thing gets a hold of you, you are cooked. You are cooked because you are given to your, your, your base desires at times. But He has made a way, God has made a way for us to overcome that power of sin and save the soul of man through His Son Jesus. And the stuff is a distraction to keep people from receiving the love of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God is the mechanism God used to save, save people. So that they can experience the love of God. You experience the love of God when you say yes to Christ. 
You understand? Because then you realize nothing you do is good enough. Because we're never on top of our game every day. The Lord is patient and merciful. Yes, even with people who say there is no God. Even there are people who curse God. There are people out there who curse God. But God, they're still alive. Why? Because God is long-suffering. Not willing that any should, 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 should be lost, but come to repentance. And this is the way we have to be with people. People might rob us the wrong way. People might betray us. But we have to pray for them. Don't condemn them. Pray for them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Jesus, what Jesus said, the word said, Jesus came to what? To save those who were lost. He didn't come to judge. He came to save. But when he returns, he's coming as judge. And those who are with him, come with him, will be judging the angels, judging the unbelievers, judging the world. The Bible says it. So he made a way for anyone who wants it. Salvation is free. If you want it, it's available to you. All you have to say is, yes, Jesus, I believe. Yes, Jesus, come into me in my heart. Change me. Make me a new creature. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession on my behalf. Because I know I didn't deserve it. But I thank you for it. This shows the heart of God. And this is the heart we have to have. To extend mercy and show compassion to the lost. To people, even people in the body of Christ. We shouldn't be fighting with one another. Sometimes you've got to let things go. Don't get in an he- argument with people over foolishness. It's not worth it. Let the ignorant stay ignorant. But, that, but pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal wisdom to them. So that they'll see the truth. And give us the wisdom and what to say and when to say it. Sometimes we need to keep our mouth shut. And trust God to give us what we need to say, when we need to say. Because a lot of contention and strife comes when we're trying to tell people how to live. And we don't have the authority, they don't recognize our authority for us trying to tell them how to live. Because some of us, our lives are messed up. (laughs) Let's be honest. You know, they talk about, in, in, in the scripture about you... Trying to take the speck out of somebody's eye when you got a big beam in your eye. Why don't you take care to take the beam out of your eye before you try to fix my life? Why don't you straighten your business out before you try to come and straighten my business out? We must never be quick to give people advice. Stay out of people's business. If they ask you for advice, you give them advice. But sometimes you got to let people go and let them learn. That's what the Lord does. The Lord doesn't come every day and tell us how to, what to do. He has His word. And if you choose, you're going to obey it or not. And sometimes you keep, have an angel tell you, you know, do this. You shouldn't be doing that. Do this. That's why He, play, how he uses our conscience, conscience. Our conscience. And it's up to you if you, you want to do it that, His way or do it your own way. We've got to make a choice daily. So the, the thing I want to get here with our, the, our heart and the stuff is how we, how much how God loves us, even those who hate Him, and we in turn cannot, must not judge others. We mustn't do it because the Bible says, "Judge not, lest you yourself will be judged." We are not here to judge anybody. We are here to love people, 
Show mercy and compassion. That's what we have to do. And pray for people. Pray for your family members. Pray for your co-workers. People on the job who are just messing up your, your life. Pray for them. Show them mercy. You know, this is, as I said, this walk is not easy. You know, we have some ways to go to get there. But we will get there. And how do I know we'll get there? Because the Bible said so. The Lord said it. He, is, he said He's returning for a mature bride. What does mature mean? Mature means she's not a baby. His bride is His church. The called out ones. The people called out to Him. Those who have accepted and, and, and who are loyal to Him. Because in the, the Bible says in the last days, many will walk away from the faith. They are those who will turn away from God. But when Jesus returns, He's not coming for them. Because they quit. They give up. They don't want Him. He's not going to want those who don't want Him. But those who stay and steadfast to the end, those are the ones He's coming for. So I know He's, I know he's returning. Because He said He is. When He returns, that bride will be ready. And the wisdom of God will be revealed as a testimony of Christ to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because Jesus said it in John 17. He said, Father, the glory you have given me, I have given them that they may be one. That the world will know that you sent me. The world has to see the glory of God through the church. And it's going to happen. But it's only going to happen to a church that's mature. Mature in Christ. So they will be loving their enemies. They will be settling disputes between themselves. They will be take wrong to have peace. That is not easy. Because we all want to be right. <coughs> I don't want to be appear to be like a, a, a sucker in front of everybody. People just taking advantage of me. But that's not, that's not the way of the mind of God. Because God understands. He's seeing the long, the long road ahead. He's looking in, the, in terms of eternity. And he's not thinking of, of what's right for him only. But what's right for that person who's lost. You see that's the mind of God. He's thinking about the welfare of that person. Even that person don't even care about him. So it will be revealed to the glory of God the Father. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world. God's will shall be accomplished. And that's what Jesus said how we ought to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is in heaven. It's established. And it shall be done on earth. It will be done. No matter what. So, if there's anything you get out of it, is, what, is the, where our heart needs to be. And when I say about the stuff, there are things in this world that are going to distract us and try to tell us, no, this is not the way you ought to do it. That makes no sense. But the Lord, in His Word and His Spirit, will say, no, forgive that person. Let it go. And these are things we have to be able to listen to and obey. Because the Bible also talks about sowing. There's a principle of sowing and reaping. Say what you sow you shall also reap. If people persecute you. If people treat you bad. If you do likewise. You are sowing things that you're going to just perpetually reap later on. But if you sow love you're going to reap love. If you sow sow mercy you will reap mercy. If you sow forgiveness you will reap forgiveness. This is not the way the world thinks. But this is the way the mind of God is. 
And that's the heart of God. And that's the way we, as mature children of God, if we say we are, this is the way we have to walk. 